Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 103, Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho, and I would say Happy New Year, but I think that's already worn out as well. It's welcome. I think Monday kind of ruined that for everyone, didn't it? Uh, It's another episode, and it's unfortunately a very pessimistic episode of Mr. Benfica here as we get ready to look back at the debacle the absolute abysmal performance that was Santa Clara versus Benfica back on Sunday slash Monday. It was a two-day match, um, and maybe maybe um, it was too soon. Maybe the match should have been rescheduled for like five months from now, given the performance Benfica put out. And uh, we're going to talk about that today and talk about... Uh, well, it's getting old trying to trying to make suggestions and trying to think of ways that, that things could be corrected or think of ways that things could be improved in, at this club when it just seems like we continue to do the same thing over and over and over. We make a little progress in one match. We step back the next. It's like two steps forward, two steps back. We end up in the same place all the time. And uh, the calendar is going to be very, very unfriendly the rest of the month. And this was not how it needed to start. This was not how to get 2021 off on the right foot. And a lot of people older than me, uh, but I'm thinking it too, are starting to fear where this club is headed. And are we on the verge of another Vietnam? Are we on the verge of another drought? I mean, our rivals are in financial situations that should be making us gleeful. We should be pounding them. We should be... making them commiserate we should be running them into the ground instead we're looking up at both of them we're looking up at both of them and let's be quite honest we're playing the worst football not just of the three but we're playing worse football than Braga as well and Braga you know if they had if Braga had a talisman that could score goals they'd be in first place right now Make no mistake. If you go back and watch their game against uh, against Sporting, the, they have a much better cohesive unit than we do. What they're missing is a guy that score goals. They're missing a PZ level player to get six goals. You know, Paulinho's not that right now. Uh, he he doesn't have the same type of goal scoring touch he had last year, and that's mostly because you know his mind is on a transfer, and that that's usually what happens to players when they start to be in too many transfer rumors they start to believe it or start to think about it and the performances start to dip but honestly of the four in the big four 
I think we're playing by far the worst football. And this is someone made made a a statement, and I think it was on Befica FM uh, the other night, and they said that if you took all the teams that spent the kind of money Benfica spent in the last calendar year, Benfica is easily playing the worst football out of all of them. Um, I don't doubt that because it's just it's it's like such a lack of awareness, just a lack of awareness of where the match is and what needs to be done. Urgency does not exist in this team. What is gone going on? What has happened to George Zouge? What has happened to him? He's lost the ability to motivate. Apparently, he's he's done more with lesser rosters. Let's be perfectly clear. He has done more with lesser rosters. It's just it's, it's not coming together. And now he's talking about how if he had stayed in Brazil, he would have been the world champion and he would have been playing for this and he would have been playing for that. Of course, the Brazilian press is having a field day. They're reporting it as him regretting leaving, which isn't necessarily what he said. But why is he talking about all this? You... Jorge Jesus, you are now the Benfica manager, and until you're no longer the Benfica manager, you shouldn't be talking about Flamengo, you shouldn't be talking about Al-Hilal, you shouldn't be talking about Sporting, about Braga, about Vitória Guimarães, Estrela, Amadora, Amora, whoever else he has managed in his career. His focus should be 100% on fixing the problem that we have in front of us. But he doesn't He doesn't adjust anything. He just continues to do the same thing. I know that that, you know... He's got a limited choice of players. But you can change the way you set up the same players and it can give a it can it can turn into something. I don't know. I'm 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 blue in the face saying that we need a double pivot to maybe strengthen the midfield a little bit because that's our blaring weakness. No, no, we're going to continue to do the same thing with players who are not doing it well. Again, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but when you're a manager, you, you, there comes a point where your style and your your system doesn't work and you have to adjust. It's easier for one manager to adjust his system than for 25 players to all learn a brand new system. At this point in the season, all right, we're 12 matches in out of 34, okay? 12 matches in out of 34. It's a lot of football to play, but we've been pl- we've played quite a bit of football already. And it's not it's not setting in. It's not ticking. It's not clicking in the heads of the players. Whatever it is he wants, this can't be what he's asking for. It's not happening. And then we're we're uh, a draw is as good as a, as good as a loss right now in the Portuguese league when when both of your rivals won on the weekend. You know, and there's literally 10 seconds left, and we're sending a pass 60 yards in the wrong direction back to the goalkeeper? Like, Do you not know that you don't have time for that? I don't understand. These are talented, high-level players that for 90 minutes a week seem to forget how to play this game. Well, we'll get into it, of course. But before that, we've got the news. So let's take a quick break. And on the other side, it's the return of the news. Now, here's a message from the PTB Media Network about some content coming your way this year. You're listening to the Parking the Bus podcast here on the PTB Media Network, your English language home of Copa Libertadores. And in the news this week, all signs indicate Lucas Verissimo will join Benfica as soon as Santos' participation in the current edition of the Copa Libertadores ends. Um, Santos currently in the semifinals at the time that you listen to this on Wednesday. If you're listening to it the day it released, they will play later on Wednesday. They're going to play at at 5.15, I believe, uh, Eastern Standard Time here in the United States. It should be 10.15 p.m. in Portugal. Um, Santos will take on Boca Juniors in the first leg. There will be a second leg next week. And then if they advance, they will play in the final later this month. So Lucas Verissimo will join Benfica once Santos are eliminated or concluded from the Copa Libertadores. 
The deal is reportedly worth 6.5 million euros with one-third due up front. The player will arrive with a lot of minutes logged, however, in both the Brasileirão and the Copa Libertadores. Santos currently languishing in ninth place in the Brasileirão, and it's all or nothing for them in the Copa Lib. There is nothing left. Well, I shouldn't say there's nothing left to play for, but they are out right now out of reach of qualifying for the competition again next season. So they are putting all their eggs in that basket to try to win it this season and trying to salvage a season that has been otherwise um, otherwise frustrating. As you probably remember, they started the season way back in January a year ago when they were in the state championships in the in the Paulista state uh, championships with Portuguese Josualdo Ferreira as their manager. Yes, that's that's how long this calendar year has been, and Lucas Verissimo has been playing this entire time. So in the Brasileiro alone, Lucas Verissimo has started 15 matches, and this is all since late August when the when the season began. He's, he's started 15 matches, and he's totaling 1,285 minutes. With six starts in the Copa Lib since then, with 560 more minutes added on, and possibly three more Copa Libertadores matches in there. What he what has saved his legs and his mileage is that Santos will customarily or will normally rotate the entire eleven on the weekend before a Copa Lib match. They they do not mess around in Brazil. Part of the reason they're in ninth place is because they literally will play their entire second string in league matches, which make it harder to get back to the Copa Lib. Remember, Jorge Zuz at, at at Flamingo last year was the first manager to go to Brazil and to stop this practice and he won both the league and the Copa Lib. But can the Brazilian managers continue to to adopt this practice? Uh, all signs also indicate that Jetson will be returning to Benfica six months early from his loan at Spurs, and we should see him back sometime in this month of January. Women's football concludes the first phase of the championship last weekend, beating Fofo 3-0 at the Tapadinha. Fofo, of course, the nickname for Club Football Benfica. And our Benfica beat that Benfica 3-0. And it's now on to the championship phase where the standings will be reset. I have verified this. Everybody starts with zero points, so that loss to Sporting earlier in the season was exactly as I had said it was. It was little more than a friendly match, a preseason match. That loss is not going to affect the standings at all going forward. So all teams start at zero again. Wednesday is the first of two finals for the women's football team at Benfica. The first of the two finals, both finals, of course, being played against Sporting Braga. The first one this Wednesday at the Municipal Daveiro will be Benfica versus Braga, as I just said. And it'll be the final of the 2019-2020 League Cup. That's right. Last year's League Cup finally going to finish it here. It got delayed from its original date. Uh, due to Benfica playing in the Champions League at that time and playing Chelsea on the day that this match was originally scheduled for. So Benfica versus Braga in the League Cup first. And then a week later, same location, same opponent, the two teams will battle for last year's Portuguese Cup. Okay, the Taça de Portugal. Benfica, of course, still the holders from way back in May of 2019. That was the last final. So Benfica have held the title ever since. And they're going to look to keep the Taça next Wednesday when they take on the same Guerreiras Domino. And in between the two cup finals sandwiched in is another cup match. Oddly enough, it is the start of the new edition of the League Cup. So uh, this coming weekend, it's, it'll be on Saturday. Up north, Benfica will travel to face Club de Albergaria in a quarterfinal match. And the teams contesting the League Cup this year are the eight teams that qualified for the final phase of the Liga BPI Championship. So it starts off with a cup match. And then the following week, the Liga BPI will kick off its championship phase. That's right. January the 17th, Benfica will host the fourth place qualifier from the Seri Sul, the south section. 
Now, this is because if you'll remember back in episode 101, we talked about it on the final day. There was a match postponed. So fourth place, the final qualifier is still up in the air, but the draw has been done for the the fixture list. And uh, the Liga BPI has only released the first week thus far. But it has Benfica playing either Istoril or Torreense, whoever finishes in fourth place. That is because um, Istoril have to travel to the Mayanese on the 13th of January will be the makeup date. They'll play the match there. Istoril must win to qualify. So if Istoril wins, it'll be Benfica playing Istoril on the 17th. If any other result other than an Istoril win occurs, it'll be Benfica hosting Torreense. Elsewhere, it was a disastrous weekend for the club in the Modalidades. I'm just going to run it down quickly. There's nothing nothing really to, to say other than that a real disastrous weekend and real down weekend, including the football match, obviously. And just an indication of just the spirit in this club. It doesn't matter the sport. It's the same. We're saying the same things about all of them. There's, there's no fight. There's no character. There's little unity. Everybody on their own. Everybody trying to, to do something uh, alone, if in, if at all. Basketball, embarrassingly, loses to Galitush in Barreiro. And that's their third loss of the season. They're in third place. Um, Futsal draws 4-4 at Braga and loses two points and has fallen behind Sporting now in the tail. Volleyball doesn't return until the 19th of January. That's like a loss because they they're the they win at least. They're the team that wins all the time. Handball off until the 3rd of February. That's a long layoff. I think there's international handball that may be going on right now. I'm not 100% positive about that. Rink hockey will return this weekend, however, but it is to travel to Porto. And, well, episode 102 reminded us what Benfica-Porto matches look like. That was in football. The basketball match went the same. The basketball game, rather, went the same way. Porto doesn't compete in, in futsal, but... Um, if they did, it probably would have gone that way too. Expect uh, Porto's hockey team to come out for blood and to do anything, anything to beat Benfica and expect Benfica to take it like it's just another game. That is the story. That is where our club is at this moment. And, yeah, it's depressing. That's the news for this week. I wish I had good news. Um, that's all there is. My thoughts on Lucas Verissimo, well, you know, we'll see. But that's certainly not going to be the end-all and save-all to the problems in this club. This club's problems are, at least the team's problems are collective. They're not individual. You're not going to fix it by by changing out one individual or another. Um, if Lucas Verissimo was on the pitch on Monday, Santa Clara still scored that goal. It's it's not, again, it, it, these are structural problems. These are systematic problems that are not being addressed. All right, after this next break, I guess... Gonna have to get on with it and then talk about what I've been avoiding talking about for the past, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, kind of hoping I didn't have to do this, but we will have to talk about it. So in the next segment, we'll get into Santa Clara, Benfica from the Stadio San Miguel in Ponta Delgada in Uzasurj. All right, here on Mr. Benfica, you can follow me, of course, the Mr. at, at I'm sorry, on Twitter at Benfica Mr. on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And don't forget to check out www.mrbenfica.com. Okay, www.mrbenfica.com, your your home for Mr. Benfica. And there you will see that I have already updated the table. Um, not that you want to see that, but it's updated. Also, you can listen to this and all the other episodes there as well. And now, now also available at some time of recording is also a player for the Park in the Bus podcast. You'll see it there near the top. Um, it's the second player. Just click there if you want to listen to Parking the Bus. All right, then it's going well, the new daily uh, episodes. So far, I'm keeping up with it. It's It's gone fairly well. Um, do check it out um, and click follow there in the middle of, of the player so that you can follow Parking the Bus on, on Spotify and... Um, you can keep up to date with all the things coming through that feed as well. All right, don't forget also 
this coming Thursday, Throwback Thursday, another edition of Portugal at the Euro. It, it is the semifinal and conclusion of Euro 84 as far as Portugal is concerned. And um, it, it was a real enjoyable match. So I'm hoping you'll tune in to listen either here or even more preferably on the PTB Media Network on the Park and the Bus podcast feed. All right, here's a quick a quick word. And then actually here's Reconquista. And then on the other side, we'll get into this match. Round 12, Portuguese Liga Nage Santa Clara, Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós Sozinho, em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo and welcome back to Mr. Benfica. So here we go. We're going to go back in time just really just a few hours. But we're going to start on Sunday, January the 3rd. Because that's when this match starts. It's not when the match ends, but we're going to start on Sunday, January the 3rd. And it is raining buckets in the Azores. It's raining like biblical proportion rain in the Azores in, in on the island of São Miguel. And uh, a waterlogged pitch. But somehow, this referee thinks it, that it's just fine to go on. Um, and I've seen... Listen, before we go on, I have heard... Portistas talking and crying about all the times that they had to play in bad conditions. And yes, listen, Sunday's pitch in 1995 would have been just every... It was the conditions every weekend in the winter looked like that. Yeah, I remember those games with puddles on the field and with every slide tackle, you know, a tidal wave would come up out of the ground and it would spray guys in the face. I remember those days, but we're not there anymore. And I have a a, a a Portista friend, of course, um, who who likes to send me text message pictures or or inbox pictures every single time that things go his way. He goes very quiet when Porto are not uh, when Porto are not you know are not doing well. But as soon as soon as Bifika slip up, all of a sudden his cell phone starts to work. His internet is back. And I get this message of, oh, too bad we had to tough it out and play through it when we went there, was his exact words. When we went there, talking about São Miguel, talking about Estadio São Miguel in Ponta Delgada. And I look at the picture, and the picture and the article is of the Taça de Portugal game last year between Santa Clara and Porto in the Estadio do Dragão. Not in São Miguel. You played in your own crappy stadium with no with no drainage. 
And that game was played, and the rain didn't even start till later in the match. So, one has absolutely nothing to do with the other. But seriously, I'm really getting sick and tired, honestly, of, of hearing from rivals all the time now. And another thing that is kind of ticking me off with this Benfica team is, is they're putting all of us in these situations, you know? Um... This relationship with Benfica need, needs some therapy, I think. I, do you feel that way, too? Does your relationship with Benfica need some therapy? I think I'm starting to think I do. It's it's abusive. The club is, ab is abusive to us. We sit here week after week in support, and I get on this microphone and talk and try to come up with ways I think that things can be better. I try to come up with ideas of, of what can be done. I try to come up with answers or at least explanations of what's going wrong and maybe how it can be fixed or maybe what's causing things if nothing else and they just come out and continue to do the same thing I mean when will Benfica play a full 90 minute match and not against Cova da Piedad either whoever that was sorry Vila Franquins. Um not not like that against a top team against a team in the first division first of all and in the top half of the first division all right, so we're at the Stadio San Miguel. Like I said, it is we're going to start on Sunday, January the 3rd. Here are the, is the 11 for the home side. Os bravos Asurianos. In goal is Marco Rocha. He's got four across the back in a 4-3-3. Pierre Sanya is the right back. João Afonso and our academy product, Fabio Cardoso, who I have more than once said on this podcast, I think Benfica should have gone and gotten this guy last year, last summer. We did not. We spent $15 million on Nicolas Otamendi, which I have been a big defender of Nicolas Otamendi. That's, you know, that's neither here nor there. That's part of a that's part of the argument, but but we could have spent a lot less and gotten Fabio Cardoso, and now we've gone and spent six point five million on another average defender from from Brazil. It's uh, I don't know, I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Why we don't go after him? Every time he plays us, he's pretty lights out, and uh, yeah, his his left back is Mikel Villanueva. Three in midfield with Anderson Carvalho in the center. Uh, holding down with Lincoln to his left and Nene to his right up front. Crizan is the striker with Jean Patrick to his left and Diogo Solomon to his right. Georges Zouge comes out with the same 4-4-2 that we've become very, very accustomed to. Uh, Odi Vlacodimo in goal. Gilberto is the right back. Vertonghen is at center back with the captain on the day in place of the suspended Nicolas Otamendi is Ferru. The return of Francisco Ferru Ferreira to the 11, and he gets the captain's armband. I'll talk about that at some point. We've made a big deal about the, the, the captain's armband this year, but this thing has been passed around now, and uh, half of the starting 11 have been captain at some point this year. Alex Grimaldo is the left back. Weigel and Trapped in the center of the park. Rafa and Everton on the flanks with Jean-Luca Waldschmidt teaming up with Darwin Nunez as the strike pair. As you know, the managers uh, for Benfica, obviously, it's Georges Jesus. And for Santa Clara, it is Daniel Ramush. Let's go to the, to the match facts here to the ticker and we start off with in very very early in the third minute we have an opportunity it is Waldschmidt now there's so much water on the pitch but this ball comes down from the sky it comes down with the reins and falls right onto the left foot of of Luca Waldschmidt and he has a, a shot at goal I don't even know if he could see the goal through all the rain but he hits it first time out of the air but it is high and wide to the right, it had actually been headed over to him by Rafa on the play. A minute later, and it was at the other end, another opportunity. First, it's Lincoln with the right-footed shot from the center of the box, but it's saved in the bottom right corner. And then a follow-up from Jean-Patrick was a left-footed shot from the center of the box, blocked by Jan Vertonghen. 
That was the fourth minute. And in the sixth minute, well, in the sixth minute, the referee realized, hey, this pitch isn't very good. It took six minutes for him to realize, maybe we don't have the conditions to play today. And he orders the players to the team rooms. They go back to the locker rooms. And the match ends, right? That's it. And I can finish this podcast now. Oh, how I wish that that were the case. <laughs> how I wish that were the case. Now, we're going we're gonna to resume after a mandatory one-hour wait to see if the conditions improved. By the time we got about a third of the way through that one hour, Hui Kosta had already told Sport TV the match was going to be played the next day. It was going to be played on Monday. And that was it for Benfica on Sunday. Really um, allowed me to... To get ahead on these parking the bus episodes I've been recording. So um, we move ahead and we go to Monday now. And we pick up the match with a Santa Clara throw in the sixth minute. We'll fast forward a little bit from that because nothing happens at first. The pitch is drier, but it's heavy. You can see that it's a heavy pitch. There's no question that the pitch is heavy. It's... uh, it's drained, but you can just see that it's not very flat. It's not very level, very bumpy as a result of all the running on it in the when it was so soaked. In the 19th minute, Crisan of Santa Clara wins a free kick on the left wing, taken down by Ferro, and nothing comes of it. We get an offside on Santa Clara in the 24th on the counter of a of a, a Benfica corner. They they counterattack, but they're caught offside. It's Lincoln caught offside. In the 26th minute, Grimaldo going down the left wing is fouled hard by Pierre Sanya. Sanya goes into the referee's card, uh, the referee's book, excuse me, for a yellow card. Not much happening now as the game. Befica in control, but not. Not really guns blazing, not really uh, blowing anyone out of the water, not really, you know, turning any heads in the 28th minute. Ferru fouls Crisan, and Ferru gets his name in the book, yellow card to the central defender, wearing the captain's armband on the day. Many people thought that was a signal that he was on his way out of the club. And, um, well, he's still a member of the club at this point, but we'll see. With the arrival of Lucas Verissimo, it does not look good for one Ferro. But we will see what happens. Maybe maybe it'll, maybe it'll, something else will happen. Also, we don't know what the future holds for Todibo either. So we'll have to wait and see on that one. 29th minute, and Darwin wins a free kick in the attacking half. It's taken by Grimaldo, but... Not going to trouble Marcus Rocha. Now we move forward and we're going to get to the 32nd minute. And finally, a breakthrough. Some nice combination play between Luca Valchmidt and Rafa. Rafa, with the ball on his foot, makes an exquisite pass into space, breaking the line of defense right onto the run of of Luca Valchmidt. Luca Valchmidt cuts it back to his right foot, slides it square across the face of goal. And Darwin Nunez gets there first, and he redirects it into the goal. Benfica take the lead, and it looked like we were going to be on our way. A a deserved goal for Benfica, as they had played quite well in the first thirty minutes. Um, I wouldn't say quite well; they played they played they they played competent in the first thirty minutes, but. It would slowly start to 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 back off a little bit in the 35th. It's it's Valchmidt with an attempt at at goal. It's blocked by Fabio Cardoso and out for a corner. And then on the ensuing corner, Luca Valchmidt gets the cross in, and Weigel's header from the center of the box is just a tad bit too high. Benfica missed the opportunity to go up two nil, and they would obviously pay for that later in the match. And not a whole hell much, not a whole hell else uh, happens in the first half here as we get to 45 minutes. Referee blows his whistle for halftime, and Benfica go into the team room ahead, a goal to nil. And we'll take a break here on Mr. Benfica, and when we come back, we will look over the second half of Santa Clara versus Benfica.
the second half gets underway, and within a minute, Santa Clara nearly go level. It's Jean-Patrick getting on the end of a cross from Fabio Cardozo, and Jean-Patrick has a header from the center of the box. It's close, but he misses just left. 50th minute here, and we have a nasty collision, an absolutely nasty, nasty collision between Gilberto and and uh, Jean-Patrick. As both players go down, it does not look good. The referee stops play immediately. We see the medical team taping up Gilberto's head. He has a nasty cut, um, and we see Jean-Patrick also kind of out of it. Both coaches decide that the player's safety is in question. This is a head injury, and it was refreshing to see both players, both managers, excuse me, take the proper caution in regard to to head injuries and brain injuries because we have seen the other cheek turned, especially in Europe in the past you know number of years where players have gone on and played with with certain concussions. There's no doubt that that Gilberto was concussed here. And Jean Patrick was in even worse shape. So on comes Carlos Jr. for Santa Clara. And for Benfica, Diogo Gonçalves replaces Gilberto. Tough, tough break for the Brazilian right back who has been improving as of late. Or at least he's been a lot less of a liability if that's, you know. He's a player that he is what he is and... It's not his fault Benfica went and went to get him, okay? And you can see he was brought in to add depth and not so much to be the first choice right back, but he he's done better in the re, in recent weeks and I think he's he's serviceable and he's shown that and he he is a pretty good passer of the ball in the attacking third. He delivers some reasonable crosses. He's got a couple of assists and um and I dare I say the team even lost a little bit in losing him. But that would be it for both of those players there in the 50th minute. In the 51st, Pierre Sanya wins a free kick down the right wing, fouled by Everton. Everton, another poor performance. Really, just not the Everton that I got to know for sure at Grêmio. Not the Everton we saw at Copa América playing for Brazil a couple years ago. And he's and I think a lot of it has to do again. I said these problems are systematic and they are collective. And you have several players on this team playing out of position. Let's just look right now, okay? Right now, and I know that injuries and COVID and whatnot have have had to shuffle people around. But I don't believe Waldschmidt's playing in his best position. I don't believe Tarap plays in his best position. I don't believe Weigel is playing in his best position. Diogo Salves certainly is not playing in his best position. That's half the team that is playing in a position other than where they are best suited for or trying to fulfill a role that is something other than what their normal strengths call for. So, again, this is these are systematic problems and adding a central defender for 6.5 million doesn't fix these problems let's move ahead will we and we're gonna go to the 59th minute and Santa Clara come close again and it is Chris Sun right footed shot from the left side of the box but he misses just to the right but in the same in the same minute so Chris Sun's shot uh, leads to a corner, and then following in the following corner, Crisan is gets on it again. He redirects it towards goal, and Fabio Cardozo, our former youth player, and the guy that I said we should sign last year, redirects the ball into our goal. Santa Clara level. Fabio Cardozo does not celebrate, as it is one to one. And suddenly, with a half hour to go, here we friggin' go again. Same old, you know what, every single match almost. We play a good first half, we have to jump off a cliff in the second. Or we play a, a crap first half, we fall way behind, and we fight like hell to come back in the second. Why can this team just not put together 90 minutes of football? At least 70, 60 minutes. That would have been enough in this match. They gotta put balls away and they gotta this was a match they had to win. They had the lead. Yes, they were playing on a difficult pitch that was heavy. I'm not gonna sit here and trash the pitch. Okay, I the 
so many people take to Twitter like they're some kind of expert on on grass services and on and on field drainage and they're they're slamming Santa Clara, slamming the government of the Azores with no notion. Listen, I if you have an issue with with this stadium at in San Miguel, I understand the drainage is poor, and I understand something might need to be done about it. But have you looked at the rest of the stadiums in our league, outside of five or six, outside of ours, our two rivals, Braga and and Guimarães? Have you looked at anyone else's stadiums, and do you think they don't have the same problems? Maybe maybe Maritimu Stadium because it's been re- renovated at Madeira might might be a little bit better than than this one. But if we went by the criteria that a lot of people want for stadiums and for pitches in the Portuguese first division, the Portuguese Liga, we'd be playing the entire league on five pitches, or we'd be playing neutral side games. It is what it is. You play the the match where the match is scheduled. I'm really like I'm done with with professional footballers and this entitlement that everything has to be perfect. You're going to play on bad pitches. Go back on YouTube and type in match of the 70s and look at what pitches looked like in England at that time. There wasn't even any grass on them. It was just mud and they got on with it. I understand. Yes, it's it can be dangerous, it can be treacherous, but it's not it's not something that can't be managed, okay? I understand players today are worth a whole lot more money than they were in the 70s and 80s and even in the 90s. And and teams don't want to risk their investments. That's all fine, okay? I've said that before. I understand the financial side of this game better than a lot of people, dare I say. But um honestly, like there's it's not an excuse. And George Jesus said that the state of the of the the pitch was not an excuse for for not winning, and it's not. So fans that wanna wanna go on and just talk about the pitch and complain that it's not as good as ours. Listen, this is life. This is what happens when you play in a small country. Not everybody can be the Premier League. Not everybody can be La Liga in state of the art new stadiums. It requires a little bit of grit and a little bit of a willingness to get dirty, a little bit of a willingness to fight. It's something this team has shown they struggle with. And again, it looks like they didn't feel like playing anymore. They slowed down. They 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 either gassed out or they lost interest in the second half. Sixty-fifth minute, and George Zouge doesn't wait any longer to pull the trigger. But again, and I'm starting to notice his substitutions, and I'm I'm not liking them. To be honest with you, I, I have an issue with a lot of the substitutions he makes. He takes out the guy who has an assist, Waldschmidt. Okay, yeah, he's not playing great. Again, I think Waldschmidt needs to drop deeper into midfield and be more, more of a help for Weigel. And maybe Terapt needs to play higher if Terapt is the guy that's in there. Maybe they should switch at some point in the match, you know, 10-15 minutes in. Why don't they switch roles so that Terapt isn't tired after 40 minutes and isn't gassed completely? Maybe, you know, knowing you have a player with a fitness issue, okay, rather than just leaving him out there and running him till he drops, why don't you try to manage that issue a little bit and try to... Sp- Give him some time to rest on the pitch by changing his position a little bit and getting him higher up the pitch. I mean, and Tarap's not playing well. This isn't a defense of Tarap by any means, but that's what you have. And you want to get the most out of everybody you have. So, you know, and I've I, I've given my criticisms of these players. I'm trying to come up with, with ways to make, to, 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 accentuate their strengths and try to hide their weaknesses. That's what a good manager does with his players. And so you have PZ come on for Valschmidt. So Valschmidt is sacrificed. Terapt stays on the pitch. It makes no sense. You know Terapt is gassed. You know he's got nothing left in the tank. And you continue to run with him. You continue to run with him. And he gets statistically worse and worse and worse every week. And it's 
Part of that is because his confidence is is lower and lower and lower every week, and his fitness isn't getting any better because he's shot. You don't get fit by just continuing to, to try to power through it. There is a scientific method to getting fit, and it's not running a guy 90 minutes when he's not fit to do so. I mean, we look like a team from the past millennium. We look like a team from the from pre-2000 right now. We're playing a simple 4-4-2, okay, overly simple. Our opponents know exactly how to play against us. You know, on Canal Ons in Portugal, they were talking, and it was Tony, one of our former managers, that says every team that plays Benfica knows exactly what to do, that we are of the of the big teams, the easiest to play against. Because we're so predictable and it's and it's true. Player A always passes to player B, who always passes to player C. Square ball to the wing back, square ball back to the middle, swing it all the way around to the other side. The, meanwhile, the other team is in two low-lying deep blocks and there is no passing lanes. So what do we do? We work it around again. Heck, Again, we need a goal, and there's 10 seconds. Let's send it 50 yards in the wrong dis- in the wrong direction to our goalkeeper. It's just a lack of awareness, a lack of of imagination, and just an, a lack of willingness, I think, in our players to really, really push themselves. They try for a bit, and then it looks like they get tired of trying or they get tired in general, and they don't want to push anymore. It's hard to understand what's going on. 67th minute, it is Crisan again from Santa Clara. Right-footed shot from outside the box, blocked by Vertonghen. This was a waste because this was Jan Vertonghen's best game in a Befica kit, and we wasted it. <laughs> he, he was all over the place. There was an error by, by Weigel in the first half um, with an errant pass that I believe he was fouled on. I've watched it again. There's a foul. Referee doesn't call it, and as a result, the pass comes up short. Um, the pass comes up short. Santa Clara counter. Jean Patrick has a brief second to take a look at a left-footed shot, but it is Vertonghen who slides across his path and blocks the shot. He Vertonghen makes like a forty-yard dash on that on that play. No, he's not fast, but he he was fast enough on that one. In the 69th minute, it's a save again, and it is Weigel getting a header again from the center of the box, but it was saved in the bottom right corner. Tough break for Uli and Weigel here. In the 69th minute, it's Rafa missing an attempt. He has a right-footed shot from a difficult angle, and he misses left following a corner. We keep moving ahead. 73rd minute, and Daniel Ramush uses another substitution. He sends on Mohagalu. Mohagana. Moghanlu. He, send, he sends him on in place of Kriazan. And also sends on Kostinha in place of Nene. And lastly, sends on Iraqi international Os- Osama Rashid in place of Lincoln. And. Santa Clara with another opportunity to go ahead in the 76th. Diogo Salmão, right-footed shot from the left side of the box, but it was saved in the bottom corner by Odi Vlacodimo, saving the point that Benfica were holding on to at this point. As Benfica keep trying to go forward, and, and in the 77th minute, a yellow card to Fabio Cardozo for a foul on Darwin Nunez. Darwin disappears after scoring the goal. Um, he, he disappears as has happened to him. And um, again, I, I've said about Darwin, okay? Yes, I know he came with the hefty price tag, but that was a five-year purchase. That was a five-year investment. He's still obviously very, very green. His confidence, I don't know what's up with it. He doesn't look to shoot. And I think part of this is a... It's what I've noticed about him, okay? You go back the last three or four matches... And he's most comfortable getting on the end of crosses. For some reason now, he does not want to take a defender on and and shoot. He doesn't like to turn and shoot. He doesn't like to to do anything from distance. Now he likes to, to try to get the ball wide so that somebody else can swing in across for him. For him. He, he seems to be comfortable getting on the end of crosses and not so much getting on the end of runs or... or uh, finding a half a yard of space to to shoot with. So 
what what this kid just needs is a little bit of mentoring. An experienced striker like Jonas right now would be so, so priceless in this team. A player that knows what it's like to go through some some scoring slumps. A player who knows what it's like to sometimes pass off when you should keep it yourself. And I think that oh, if Jonas was in the in the staff somewhere somehow in some role that he could he could put his arm around this kid and talk to him, I think we could we could get Darwin Nunez going again. In the eighty third minute, Benfica make a last ditch substitution here, and on comes Shikinu for Adel Tarapt. Tarapt again getting eighty plus minutes. I don't understand. It's it's like you're down a man after a certain point. Some of you will say it's like you're down a man the entire time, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. It's definitely there comes a point where Tarapt can't help you anymore. He can't possibly help you. But George Zuz leaves him on longer than he needs to. I understand. Again, like I said, that that the choice of players was limited, and you don't have you only have so many people for that position. But again, this substitution should have been made in the 60th minute, 50th even, 55th, who knows. But Tarapt is off, Shikinu's on, and the return of Facundo Chucky Ferreira to the Liga Nage. If he he hasn't played in the Liga Nage since he first arrived at Benfica, I don't even know how many seasons ago, um, after a couple of loans. He's back now simply because his loan expired and nobody want, wanted him. And I feel for the player because at Shakhtar Donetsk, he was a very talented player. And maybe, who knows, if if it if moving him on doesn't work out and he sticks around, who knows if given the opportunity, he could be someone we can use going forward. Um, hard to tell when you give a guy seven minutes, but he replaces Everton, who also should have come out much, much sooner. In the 84th, Santa Clara will counter by sending on João Lucas in place of Diogo Salmo. But this is uh, probably the part when the... It was after the 90th minute, actually, where the camera or the television screen flashes that (laughs) Benfica now have not had a shot in the last 27 minutes. I think we got a, a weak attempt at a shot just after that. As I'm scrolling through. I think there's a sh- there's a shot from Chiquinho late in 90 plus four. Rashid goes in the ye- into the book for a yellow card in the 80th plus four, 80th plus seven, and this is the uh, actually the attempt a right footed shot from outside the box from Chiquinho, but it's blocked. Goes for a corner. It was blocked by João Afonso. The corner leads to nothing. Benfica knocks the ball. This is the most frustrating part. Benfica knocked the ball around for the last two minutes. Don't get it in the box. Don't get it on the end of anybody who can score. And when all else fails, Grimaldo, like I said, with 10 seconds to go, decides the best play to make is to play it back to the goalkeeper, I guess, so he can drop it in the box. And then he miskicks it on top of that. And the ball goes out of bounds. And the match ends on a, the way it started or the way it restarted on a Santa Clara throw-in in almost the same exact spot. You can't make this stuff up, people. You can't make this up. <sighs> 1 1, your final result. Let's look at the ratings. This week, the ratings are coming to you from FOTMOB. I'll start with Santa Clara. Their goalkeeper, Marco Rocha, 6.5. Uh, Pierre Sanya, 7.1. João Alphonse, 7.0. Fabio Cardoso, man of the match performance, 7.8. Mikel. Villanueva, 7.2. Nene, 6.2. Anderson Carvalho, 7.4. Lincoln, 6.1. Diogo Salomão, 6.4. Crisan, 7.7. And Jean-Patrick, 6.3. Off the bench for Santa Clara. Uh, Carlos Jr., 6.4. Osama Rashid, 6.2. Costinha does not earn a rating. While Moghanlu gets a 6.0 and Jean Lucas with no rating either. Benfica's ratings in this match Odi 6.0, Gilberto 6.6, Jan Vertongen 6.8, uh, Ferru 6.8, Grimaldo 6.6, 6. 
in a, in midfield that uh, Adele Tarap 6.6, Weigel 7.6, Rafa 6.0, Valschmidt 7.1, even with an assist. Uh, a goal for Darwin Nunez still only lands him with a 7.8. That's low for a goal scorer. Uh, and Everton 6.8 off the bench. Diogo Gonçalves earns a 6.4. Pizzi, 6.3. Chiquinho, Facundo, and... Uh, or Chiquinho and Facundo, I should say. They end up not getting a rating. So, let's take a look then at the table now. Here in... Liga Nage. As you know, our rivals won this weekend, so... Sporting are top of the table once again. Big win for them over Braga. Sporting have 32 points, 10 wins, and 2 draws. Two points behind them right now is Football Club do Porto. 28 points, plus 16 goal difference with 9 wins, a draw, and 2 losses. Same identical record as Benfica. Same amount of points, obviously. Just Benfica with a plus 13 goal difference. So until the 2 square off in... Two rounds, I think, from now. I think there's two rounds until they square off. And it will be goal difference to separate them for the time being. Fourth place, Sporting Braga, 24 points. Fifth place and the final Europa Conference spot is Vitoria Guimarães right now with 19 points. They're just a hair ahead of Passos de Ferreira, who also have 19 points. Maritimo are seventh with 14 as... 8th place, Santa Clara, also have 14. And then three teams with 13 points. It's Nacional, Gil Vicente, and Morirense in that order. Uh, Nacional with a match in hand, however. And then you got Bulanis, Sad, Code City. They have 12 points. They're 12th. Tondela, our next opponent, also on 12 points, our 13th. Portimones, our last opponent, uh, went from last place. They went from 18th to 14th in one week with one win as they now have 11 points. 15th is Fumlicão, also with 11 points. And 16th in a relegation playoff spot, Riuave, surprisingly, also 11 points. And they are just one line above the automatic relegation zone right now in a relegation playoff match. They started the season being seconds from beating AC Milan and knocking AC Milan out of the Europa League to now fighting for their lives in the bottom of the table at the one-third or so point of the season. 17th is Boa Vista. They have 10 points. And in 18th, Ferenc returns to the basement. They have 9 points. Let's go and take a look at what we have here for leaders in the Liga Nage. As we'll start with goal scorers and top of the table or top of the goal scoring charts as it has been for some time now is Pot, Pedro Gonçalves. They call him Pot. Sportingistas and media alike call him Pot. Apparently that's his nickname, P-O-T-E, Pot. Uh, I we know him as Pedro Gonçalves. He has 11 goals. Second place is Rodrigo Pinho with seven from Maritimo. Tiago Santana of Santa Clara, or formerly of Santa Clara, now playing in the Chinese Super League, has seven. So and Santa Clara played us without their leading goal scorer, who they just sold. Keep that in mind, also. Harris Safedovic, our our striker, is fourth with six goals. And somehow this scrub ends up on the list. Porto's Sergio Oliveira with six goals, three of them from penalties. And, of course, hold on. I've just been informed. Penalty pro Porto. <laughs> Valschmidt has five. He's next, as is Marega Douglas Tank. And then a whole list of players with four goals. So that is the stats. Let's take a look at the fixtures for the next round of the Liga Nage, which actually kicks off on on Thursday. Uh, it kicks off early. Of course, next week there is Tassa uh, matches. So the next Primera Liga match is on Thursday the 7th, and it is 
on Madeira, and it is Nacional hosting Sporting. The leaders have the first match of the round, and then later that day, Braga host Maritimo. Move to Friday now, and that's where Benfica will host Tondela at the Stadio de Luz, 2 o'clock Eastern time here in the United States, 7 p.m. in Portugal. Also at the same time, Rio Ave hosts Portimonense, and later that evening, Famalicão hosting Football Club do Porto. Saturday, Moreirense takes on Vitória Guimarães in Moreira dos Cónicos in another Minho Derby. And Boa Vista takes on Santa Clara. And then Sunday, the round closes out with Farense taking on Gil Vicente and Bolinish Saad taking on Passos de Ferreira. And then after this, there is a Taça de Portugal round in the midweek. And then at the weekend, we have a Clásico with Football Club do Porto. We, we will travel January the 5th, three days after playing Estrela da Amadora, we will travel to the Estadio do Ladrão to face Porto, and we sure better be ready for that. So like I said, this this month of January is incredibly packed, and while we can't win the league this month, we certainly can lose it. And we just got to beat Tonella first. And then we gotta get something at the Drago. This is it's it's we're not in a good predicament. Um, I don't like where we're going. I don't like the direction where we're taking. Um, I feel like the team is on the verge of an implosion. If we get any further behind, and if Porto start to pull away from us this early, who knows how how bad the second half of the season could be. And obviously, we are Benfica, and we're supposed to be fighting for titles. Well, really, that does it for this episode 103. I wish it was, you know, on happier, <laughs> on happier topics. Um, but there's no time like the present to turn things around, and I'm always foolish enough to think that every match is an opportunity to start a winning streak it only takes one really good match in my opinion to turn things around i know i've been saying that since last summer and we're still waiting on that but i really believe it and it could be friday why not friday against tondela all right coming up tomorrow don't forget wednesday or today actually by the time you're listening to this Benfica versus Braga women's football, the Liga Cup final, 7-15 local kickoff in Aveiro, 2-15 here on the east coast of the United States, 11-15 Pacific. And the match will be, I know it's going to be on Canal Ones. If you haven't down, if you haven't got that app yet and haven't subscribed and you like Portuguese football, you, you really got to go to your app store and get that app. I'm not being paid to advertise for them. I just simply believe in in the product and they got the best football analysis around. And um yeah, so go and get it. But I I'm pretty sure it'll be on BTV as well as every women's match is on BTV. They had the Champions League matches. So I believe BTV has has the right to simulcast every single women's team match. So that's going to be tomorrow. Hopefully, the girls are going to get the win, lift the trophy, and they're going to lift my spirits for sure. Good luck to them all, of course. And the nation, a nação, Befiquista, is definitely cheering you on. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. The next episode will be 104, obviously, and it will be a review of the women's teams, the women's team in the week that they've had, including tomorrow's final and last Sunday's win over a full full so that will come your way in a couple of days and then of course after the Benfica Tondela game I'll be back this weekend to break that one down all right don't forget before I go follow parking the bus podcast wherever you get your podcasts or go to www.mrbenfica.com scroll to the player that's playing park the bus and hit the miss hit the the box that says subscribe or that says follow and follow the podcast on Spotify or on Apple preferably or wherever you get your podcasts it's all good um as long as as the content is getting to you and i thank everybody for listening especially during these these dark times when it's really not a, a lot of fun to talk or listen um about these Mayfica performances but 
Again, every match is a new opportunity to turn things around. And maybe it'll be the next one. All right. Have a great week, everybody, and I'll see you next time. UEFA Euro 2020 this summer here on the Park in the Bus podcast.